Hi, everyone, and welcome to Making Ways. I'm your host, Rob Goodman. I'm a writer and an artist and a marketer, and I launched this show to explore the unexpected paths to a creative career. We've got a really special show today with the owners of Outerlands, an incredible restaurant here in San Francisco, Dave Muller and Lana Porcello. Not only are they the owners of Outerlands, but they're artists and musicians and creative people who came to launch this restaurant out of the need for building community and feeding people and bringing people together and really thought of it as a creative project. So on today's show, you're going to hear from them about their winding path, and you're going to get to know them a bit more as people. I want to tell you a little bit about our sponsor, General Assembly. They're a wonderful organization dedicated to giving you the tools you need to pursue a career that you'll love. They have a campus here in San Francisco, campuses all across the country, even the globe. And for Making Ways listeners, you're going to get 15% off any class or workshop if you type in Making Ways as your promo code when you check out. So uh, visit General Assembly, learn more, and let me know what you think. We've got a great show today, so let's get started. Lana and Dave, so great to have you here. Welcome to the show. Thank you. So um, we were just talking about your restaurant, Outer Lands, here in San Francisco in the Outer Sunset, and I would love to hear a little bit about it for people who aren't from San Francisco, just what your vision for the restaurant is and what you've been up to there. Northern California cuisine is how you could actually typify the food there, but we weren't aiming for any specific thing other than the comforts of soup and bread and salads initially yeah so the original vision was um more of a place to be than necessarily a restaurant um so oddly it kind of took on its restaurant qualities after the fact (laughs) so at first you were like let's let's just create a cool space and environment for people to come hang out and then you're like oh people like to hang out when there's food there yeah well we we had had the experience for many years of um providing an environment in our home um which had you know and we always made soup and bread there um, and hot cider and some of the things that have just been on the menu the whole time came from that time. Just for friends and family? Yeah. And, um, and from there, it just made sense to s- relocate that into a larger space as our friend base grew in the neighborhood and more artists, more, more artists were coming out. Where did you um, get the experience around running a business? Or Dave, you said you worked in restaurants and Lana... I heard that that your family had a small business or had a business growing up. So did you get those kind of business experiences growing up? And then cooking, was that just something that you always loved to do? Yeah, cooking I think we did love to do and we approached from a somewhat amateur level of appreciating good ingredients and being in the industry. I was working in restaurants in the front of house primarily for a long time. Lana and I actually met in uh, sort of like a hippie sushi kitchen in Santa Cruz where we were <laughs> cooking together. Um, and I had been working in a lot of... Um, the perfect love story. Yeah, it's a very weird <laughs> classic Santa Cruz. Vegan sushi. <laughs> wow, yes. <laughs> to answer your question, more, I had been working in the restaurant industry for probably 15 years before we had done this, mostly front of the house, finishing with bartending. And then before that, I was working in a lot of grocery stores, health food stores for since I started working when I was like 13 years old or something. 
So learning about ingredients along the way, to your point about family businesses, my grandfather was a restaurateur back way before I was around, and he used to tell me stories about that. And I think that maybe planted a seed deep down of that being a, a viable business plan or something that seemed respectable. Because you had somebody in your family who had who had made it happen and had made a, a living from it. Yeah, he was very successful at it. And um, it was all built around the premise of he purchased this restaurant and stripped everything away except for the lunch special that everybody wanted to get. And he made only that every day. And I think the place was called Kitchen's Best. It was in your world. It was in like your reality that people can do this and it can be successful and... And in, empowering, uh, enriching to the community somehow. And, and Lana's mom, um, what, talk about that. Um, so I grew up with um, various small businesses in my family, but um, the most recent when I was still living at home, um, my mom had a soup business that was kind of like gourmet prepared soups in, in a bag with dry ingredients. Um, so I would help her. We'd have just rows of these bags on the living room floor and I would scoop like chili powder, like hundreds of scoops of chili powder. When you were a kid? Yeah. Nice. <laughs> um, like she put you to work. Production line. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, and you know, she's a wonderful cook also. Um, so I grew up around a, a real appreciation of food in that way. Um, but I was never a cook myself. Um, I kind of was really excited to work in farmer's markets a lot. Um, what sort of during the same period that Dave was in the front of house, um, that's kind of what I was doing. Um, and then just doing odd jobs. But I think that when we first opened the restaurant, another part of the idea was that there, that we understood that there was no way that we could do everything. Um, and we didn't want to, it didn't make sense to us. It, it made sense to feel like the different roles were specialized according to what people were motivated by. So we had, went, so when we were working with our first chef, the idea was, okay, this is your creative practice and we want to provide this space for you to play in that and to be able to explore and learn and, and pave your own way in that way, um, which was really challenging. Um, but beautiful things came out of that. Sure. Oh. Also, um, I think that's part of why it was seemed so loose with the menu. We were just like, okay, let's try a few things. Um, what things do you feel like represent you? And, and they really fit with how we were imagining the restaurant feeling and being. And, um, and so our relationships at that time with the people we were working with were really fun and really, and really hard and really emotional. And <laughs> um, it, was, yeah. it was like, it, it was a, a group project a group yeah cr creative project it really was it like, was like happening a... kind of assembling the the ship as you were running it yeah. as it was off yeah. yeah and it was obvious that we didn't have that experience and a lot of these people had never taken on these types of roles our first chef his name was his name is brooks rogers um i met him working at the slow club which is now closed but it was kind of this classic restaurant um he was working like the salad station there with like Danny Bowen and Chris Croner was the chef and all these guys that have gone on to do all these cool things. And I remember the staff meals from these guys were so mind blowing. And so when I, when we reached out to him, I said, Brooks, 
we need a chef for our restaurant and um, we just want to make food that cooks would like to eat, you know, like the, the, the family meal. We want to make that kind of our vibe. And he completely got that and really liked it. But I think more than anyone, he knew what he was getting into. And mm -hmm. bless his heart, he went for it anyway because <laughs> it was really, really hard. And he was the one who knew how hard that was going to be. And he carried so much of the weight on his own poor shoulders. Literally, too. He would ride to the farmer's market every time, every, three times a week and um, bike back with gigantic backpacks Like 100 pounds of produce. Produce. <laughs> <laughs> it was very DIY. I think he took it on wow. because he wanted to prove to himself that, that this could, could do be that. done and, and he wanted to support this alternative idea of a restaurant. And like you said, it was like a sanctuary environment we were trying to create for people to eat at, but also people to work at. There was a New York Times review fairly early on that put yeah, you all on the map? Yeah, within the first month or two. Um, and I think that, it was three months in. Yeah. And that that really was, I mean, it, that was the big moment that it all changed. Um, it was a travel piece in the New York Times, and, they, and he was an independent writer, and they just snatched it up, and it began to snowball as soon as that came out. So, yeah, so what, what happened? What, what happened after that? Suddenly we were, there was destination traffic. <laughs> A lot of it. Um, we like were, from across the city and also from tourists coming all in? All over the place. We were really, really busy. And we, we literally had just Dave and Brooks in the kitchen and maybe three other employees. And um, we were full all the time. And we, we just, so Dave was like running food from the, you know, making the lunch and then running it out. And then, um, I was actually, we had our newborn baby and, um, right, right at that time, she was born six weeks before we opened. Oh my gosh. So <laughs> I had her in the, the ergo carrier, um, and I was washing dishes and serving and cleaning and just doing whatever needed to be done with her on me. And she just slept through it so much. It was amazing. <laughs> Thank goodness she was a good sleeper. Did you ever think when you had this idea for kind of a creative project in a space and yes, let's make it a restaurant. Did you realize the amount of work that, uh, that you would have to put in? No, no, we didn't. And that we, it was good that we didn't because I never would have signed up for that. I don't think if I could have seen it, I would have been able to believe that I could have done it. And I don't know if the same exists I mean, for you. I think that for me, I, I didn't really think about it, but looking at it now, I assumed, I think it would be that way because that's how it was for me growing up. And so when it was happening, I wasn't like, whoa, I was just like, get it done, you know? <laughs> so I think um, for me, and I think for both of us too, it was something that, proved to us what we are capable of in a way that forced us to understand that. It was like this flame underneath us that made us every day have to wake up and toil until it was done and there was no other way because you had to pay the bills, you had to pay your employees and it was very hand to mouth. Yeah, I'm curious what, uh, what you tell people who are, are interested in, uh, in opening a restaurant or 
now that you've been through this for, I guess, nearly a decade, if you would, you know, write a, a secret handbook and send it back in time um, and just say, ah, oh, you spent like two years on this. And if you had just taken this class or you just, I mean, I think what I love about where you started, Lana, is saying, well, you know, that was part of the process. The creative process was figuring this out. Um, but I'm, yeah, I'm curious about the advice and the process as you look back. Um, yeah, we, we get a lot of questions about that. I try to be really clear to people about the work, um, that, okay, you're going to, are you prepared to do this work? It's going to be really hard for a while, even in the best of circumstances. It's something that if you, I think if you're approaching it, I mean, there's a lot of ways to approach business. You can approach it from, I want to make money in this particular way. I want to be in this certain place. And so I have to just do this to be there or that kind of thing. Um, I think if you're approaching business from a creative standpoint where you're feeling motivated by the practice that you're doing, um, then the work is really different. It's not just, I need to be here and do this physical work every day. It's kind of, um, maybe more painful <laughs> than, than it might be otherwise. Um, because it's not black and white. It's you're in the moment, you're in the process and you're working through it. Yeah. You're going, you're going through a personal process. So all of the things, uh, it's very similar to parenting. All of the things that you may or may not know about yourself that are your challenges are going to come out <laughs> and you're going to face them every day until you figure out how to deal with them. <laughs> It's just a giant mirror. Yeah, it is. It's the same way that a painting is a mirror or a you know, piece of writing is a mirror. So I feel like when I'm talking to people about business, I, I don't really go into that, but I try to work into the conversation. What is it that you want right now? You know, what is it that you're, what's your goal? Don't, you know, let's not talk about whether or not you have money right now or any of those kinds of finite details, let's talk about what are you trying to achieve by doing this thing personally and see if it's matching up with what you're saying you want to achieve on paper here or what kind of loan you're trying to get or some of those sorts of things. Um, and that usually changes the conversation a lot <laughs> and sometimes maybe changes the, you know, the intent of the business or right because depending on the destination the pathway to get there it may look very different yeah yeah which i think is um we talked before about our process as artists and um as people who didn't didn't imagine themselves in the restaurant industry and um the fact that we had to kind of reroute our vision of how we were going to express ourselves creatively um, and that that was great. That was a good thing because what I may have said 15 years ago is I want to be a musician or I want to be, I want to have art on a wall somewhere or something like that, which is great. But when it came down to it, that actually was not who I was at all. And I think the best thing we learned from allowing this process to happen was that, um, creativity, if left sort of to its own devices is going to lead you in places that you may not want to go or may not have imagined yourself going. And, um, and that, that, that the reward for that 
is so much bigger if you if you don't fight it even though you might end up somewhere where you're like I don't even know how I got here you know <laughs> but what you know and sometimes I feel kind of I can still feel attached to those old ideas um, about what my life was going to look like but when I compare that to what I've learned and gained there's no there's no comparison hey guys I want to tell you about our sponsor General Assembly General Assembly is all about giving you the tools you need to pursue a career that you'll love. And for Making Waves listeners, we've got 15% off any class or workshop. Just type in Making Waves at checkout and you'll get that discount. General Assembly has campuses all across the country, even across the globe, where you can take classes around data science, UX design, digital marketing. If you want to become a developer and learn how to code, whether you're in a job now or between jobs, they offer classes on nights and weekends, and they've got a great support system. So once you actually take these classes, they offer you help in networking and finding job opportunities. So check out General Assembly. Just type out General Assembly in your browser and put a dot before the L-Y, and you'll go right there. Let me know what you think. Okay, let's get back to the show. How do you think... How would you advise people to like shake off those constraints? Because I, I know what you're saying. Like you had a vision for where you saw saw your life going or saw your creativity going, the art and music. How do you kind of accept that that might look different than you anticipated? I think determination is a really important factor in this. Um the ability to persevere through that. Kind of as I was mentioning earlier, we set up a structure by opening the restaurant that forced us into that position where many points along the way that felt too fatiguing or impossible or doomed, we didn't have an option to renegotiate at that point. We just had to keep pushing forward. So in some ways, setting yourself up with this constraint of necessity had everything to do with our ability to follow through with it. That's why it's important. I was saying I always ask people, what is your what is your goal? And sometimes that doesn't even look like a goal. It looks like I want to feel the certain way or I, I want to change this aspect of my life or something. Um, and so then I think that's where the, the visualization part of it is so critical because... I definitely believe, this is kind of where it gets a little spiritual, you know, <laughs> I definitely believe that if you can be in the moment that you want later, just for a second, you can feel it for a second, then you're giving yourself up to that time later, and by doing that, you're kind of letting go of how it's going to look to get there, so then from there, I think it, what, I think what we you know, we kind of describe this whimsical fly by the seat of your pants kind of start, you know, but what we were actually doing, if you look at it sort of as a process was we were visualizing, I would always visualize this space with people talking and laughing around me and everybody having a great time. So, and that was really what I wanted. I wanted a community. That was actually this unconscious goal that I was trying to achieve by having this restaurant. Um, so then from there, I was like, okay, well, that's my visual. I have no idea how to get there. And then I think that having that 
that kind of goal in mind, this more abstract goal, allowed us to just go with what was presented to us um, and not be attached to, oh, I need to do it this way because this is how you do it. Tell me a little bit about the kind of art that you were making before the restaurant and maybe some ideas that you're thinking about in the time ahead. Well, um, before the restaurant, I think I had really more kind of categorized ideas about what I wanted to do. I wanted to write and I wanted to make music in this particular way and I wanted to draw. And those were kind of the things that I did and how I defined myself. Um, and you went to art school? No, I didn't. Okay, okay. <laughs> I studied literature. Okay, great. <laughs> um, so I think I, I think, and I think that's kind of how it is when you're young and you're exploring, you're in college or whatever, and you're kind of like, I am going to be this, you know, and it's this external idea of like what that means. I have or, to get to this right. model, you know? Right. Um, and then, then you really throw yourself into life at some point and you're like, oh, that, that model is, can be very diverse. You know? <laughs> right, right. I've got to pay the rent and I've got to pay the bills and there's a lot of options out here. Yeah, and there's a whole world out there that is saying to you, well, it can look like this or this or this, or this which can be really overwhelming. Um, so anyway, so I guess I feel like I didn't actually know when I said I want to be this, this, or this, I, I was saying something else. I was saying I want to feel a certain way, for example, or I want to um, I want to be able to share this part of myself or I want to be around these types of people or something. It was much more, um, much more specific in some ways and then also much more broad-based. Um, so some of the things that I feel like personally I've achieved through being in the restaurant, um, have explained to me more about what it is I was trying to say when I said, I want to be this or that. Oddly though, now that we're kind of at this new place with the restaurant, I'm coming back to those things. And, um, like I'm in the process of just starting a book and, um, and doing some other projects that are personal projects. And so I'm, I'm cycling back to those same things that I said I wanted to do, but now they look completely different to me in this way that's much more invigorating and exciting for me. And Dave, what about you and, and music and, and art? I want to hear a little bit about what, what, you, uh, what you love outside the restaurant, too. I mean, music's a part of my life that I've had since I was a child, and I think Lana has, too. Um, my family's very musical. They've always been musicians. And, and I, more than any of my other brothers, I think kind of carried the torch of that inside of myself, like needed to keep it. I just have to have it. It's a necessity for me. And I've gone through years of hiatus where I haven't had that available. And maybe one of my larger regrets is not committing myself to music in the way that, uh, for instance, we have done with the restaurant. If I had done that, I can imagine amazing things coming out of myself you know that and it's inspiring like that as I mentioned before it's, a, it's an example of something that else that could happen but anyway before the restaurant idea I was going to I did go to art school I studied art at um, California College of Arts and Crafts at the time which is now CCA and met some of our core community there um, and um, I was 
initially going to be an illustrator and then I saw the painters over there doing their thing and I wanted to be free and paint and it was a wonderful experience. I wish I could stay in that repetitive cycle of making things arbitrarily forever. Yeah, and it has been really interesting um, because I had an idea of what I wanted to make with art and how I wanted to inspire the world or contribute something. Um, I feel really blessed that we did stumble upon this kind of thing. I mean, I know we did it, but it, in some ways it distracted me from that need to do things that way because now I can make art and it doesn't have to pay my bills necessarily. It's still hard to find as much time as I need to put into it, but I can approach it with less pressure. I don't have to worry about what the art world thinks of it. I don't have to worry about what anyone thinks of it. I get to be free with it right now. and. That ability is one of the greatest successes we have by having a livelihood outside of that. The intentions that I had behind being an artist or being a musician was to bring something positive to a world that is full of a lot of difficulty and more and more so um, and develop community and bring people together around it. And I think that the restaurant does that possibly better than anything I could have made that appeals to a much narrower demographic or an elitist population or whatever like it's a it's a very real daily consumable thing food and community and conviviality and all that stuff that we wanted so that was my biggest dream can i hear a little bit about the the bread making process because i was telling you all um a dream about your bread and and you were kind enough to bring some today um which i excited to devour but um bread is just otherworldly and and yeah, I'd love to hear a little bit about the process. Oh, thank you. I mean, uh, the bread was something that we wanted. We wanted to have a bread there. On uh, we, we sort of dovetailed into the notoriety of my good friend Chad Robertson, who I met through industry friends and, and surfing. We became surfing buddies. And when we were building out the cafe, it coincided right with the time where he was writing his first tartine bread book, which since has really revolutionized the world of home bread baking and even within restaurants. Um, and he allowed me to be a test baker um, for this new recipe that he was, I was the perfect candidate because I had never really made bread. Um, and he encouraged me to make it on my own for the cafe. Why don't you just make your own bread? And I was like, oh, okay. Well, that, that sounds like a good way I can be tactically involved with the restaurant enough to not have to create an entire menu and be responsible for that sort of thing. Um, I could handle that maybe and so well if I could do it so I tried it and the bread process is based on the tartine method which is all naturally leavened bread using a starter with our um, immense flora and fauna of bacterias and yeasts living out here in San Francisco captured in a basic starter of flour whole wheat flour and water where it thrives and lives and you throw out a little bit you, t you throw out most of it and in inoculate with a little bit more and you make it every day like the classic sourdough. Um, and his m recipe uses that sourdough starter um, in a younger way, which is more like a pan van style, which is a little sweeter, more neutral, less acidic, less sour. Um, so I started making that um, mixing by hand um, and putting them in these Pullman pan loaves, these steel pans that I baked in our little 
belly oven of the range, the old falling apart oven that we had when we inherited it. <laughs> and um, one thing like bread, it's like pizza, where if it's even when it's bad, it's still good. You know, fresh baked bread. Everyone on the block was so excited. The tattoo guys and Julieta, they were all so excited about the bread. And so it seemed like a hit. And I was like, okay, well, I'm going to do this. And I started making it every day and making the bread and the, making the bread. And looking back on that original bread, I'm a little embarrassed by it. <laughs> Pretty embarrassed by it. But the fact that people enjoyed it, I'm not embarrassed about. And um, Because that fueled like, okay, people are feeling good about this. Let me invest more time into it. And Yeah, if, if they already like it, it can only get better. <laughs> right. So it, it started... Um, that's a great. That's a great slogan for life. I don't know <laughs> exactly. for everything. Exactly, and it was sort of extended to the restaurant in general. Like, well, if it, if they like it like this, then we can always improve because we're going to be doing this every day. And and I did that literally every day for years. And at some point, years into it, I calculated how many individual loaves of bread I had made with my hands, mixed by hand, and it, it was like several hundred thousand of these things I had made and it it did get a lot better and it's true that practice makes perfect but with bread it never actually does which is the beauty of that process where even if you are a true bread master you always know that there's something you could make a little bit different or a little bit better to make that thing even more perfect or there's something you want to change and I love that about bread it's this insatiable creative outlet into a very humble food that is living and changing around you um, with everything else that changes especially the way that we do those pan loaves where we we leave it out in the open and it was kind of funny I only really learned a couple maybe like a week study of lessons from Chad and our good friend Eric or Eric Wolfinger who was helping me and Nathan Yanko and these other guys hanging around Tartine at that time um, and then I just sort of adapted the recipe on my own, and it uh, it went way off the path of their original recipe, and they came back, and they were laughing at me because it was so strange, but it worked, <laughs> and they just were like, well, just kind of run with that. Maybe tweak this or this, but you've, you've made your own bread now. It's yours, and, um, <laughs> and it has become mine. That, that kicked off the Outer Lands Standard Loaf. I've since graduated into um, making the more traditional style of tartine, Bulls, which is so fun to try and make that work, which is, again, like uh, an endless life journey of trying to make better and better bread. Lana, Dave, thank you guys so much for coming by and for chatting, and uh, I really, really enjoyed the conversation. Thank, thank you, you so much for having us. Yeah. This has been really fun. It was a pleasure. All right, that was the conversation with Lana and Dave. Thank you both so much for joining Making Ways and sharing so much of your story with us. It was a pleasure to have you here and I uh, really enjoyed the conversation and learned so much. If you guys want to learn more about Lana and Dave and their restaurant, check out OuterlandsSF.com. You can see their menu and their wonderful food and hear a little bit more about their backgrounds there. And I've got to suggest that when you're in San Francisco, you head over there for brunch or for dinner or any meal. Thanks to our sponsor, General Assembly. They're all about giving you the tools you need to pursue a career that you'll love. And if you want 15% off any class or workshop, just type in Making Ways at checkout and you'll get that discount. If you like what you're hearing, you can head over to iTunes and leave a review. 
It's a great way for people to discover the show. Making Ways is engineered by Jim Heffernan at TTO Productions. And our intro music is by The Sandworms. And we've got some music by Jim Heffernan in the mix there, too. You can learn more about me and the show at makingways.co. We've got articles and illustrations that go along with each episode. So follow along on Twitter at making underscore ways. Check us out at medium backslash making ways or just visit the site. Let me know what you think. Thanks so much and have a great week. Thanks.